we won't be judged for sin because our sin has been washed away. But we will receive rewards or loss of reward for what we did in our bodies, for how we obeyed God, for how much we live for Him. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. decide to walk with Jesus with all your heart, you will win in the end. Hi everybody, welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire and thanks for joining us. Today we're continuing with the final message from The One That Got Away, taken from the Song of Solomon. Well, it's almost time to bring this beautiful, inspired book to a close. And like most good stories, it's got a happy ending. We ended last time with the Shulamite charging the women of Solomon's court for the third and last time to stop trying to stir up illicit desire in her for Solomon. She won her battle with temptation and only longed to be joined to her beloved shepherd. The closing paragraphs can be divided into three sections. We have the Shulamite and her beloved, the Shulamite and her brothers, and the Shulamite and her betrothed. So let's go right to the final message in our Song of Solomon series entitled, An Hour of Triumph. Do you realize the seething cauldron of hate that our world is right now? You look over there in the Middle East. You look at all the killing, the mayhem, the torture, the slaughter, the mass shootings constantly. You look at that and you got to remember the words of Jesus as it was in the days of Noah. So shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. What was it like in the days of Noah? Genesis tells us the earth was filled with violence. So violence is only going to increase. But i got to tell you, there's something stronger than hate. And it's love. God's love. Many waters can't quench it, nor can the floods drown it. He goes on, if a man would give for love all the wealth of his house, it would be utterly despised. In other words, I wouldn't give you my love for everything in my house. You've got to be kidding me. I'm going to keep my love. They knew in their heart that whatever Solomon may try, he could never quench their love for each other. Love is so valuable that its price is far above all the wealth of your house. You know, there's a lot of people living great big square footage homes with satin sheets and they can't sleep in them at night. And they are living in a house of pain and a house of emptiness and a house of Woulda, coulda, shoulda, I wish it were different. There's no love, there's no affection, there's no nothing. It feels like a little tiny doghouse to me because it's not happy. But if you've got love in the house, you can be living in a little bitty doghouse and feel like you're in a mansion. That's the message here. Consider for a minute the mammoth attack. Satan made against our great shepherd's love for us. You want to talk about many waters cannot quench love? Look at what came at Jesus. God so loved the world. 
He gave his only begotten son. And his son was an expression of his love. And look at what came against that love that was directed towards you and me. All the way to the cross. Through its terror, through its pain, its darkness, its horror, the jeering crowds, the mocking soldiers, our Lord's love for us remained steadfast. It never waned. Many waters could not quench his love. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad for that? What a Savior. Can we just say together, what a Savior. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Thank you, Lord. What a Savior. Amen. Many waters could not quench his love. Now, the closing verses of the song are occupied with the Shulamite. Now, we've seen her beloved in verses 5 through 7 as they commune together. Trials and temptations were over. Let's pause now. I want to take a good look at the Shulamite's brothers. And this is going to be the third and the last time they appear. They've already appeared twice. Let me show you where. Looking back, the first time we met them, they were repressing the Shulamite. You remember that? They didn't like the shepherd. Her brothers did not like her relationship with the shepherd. They did not like it. So they took her out of the field and they put her into a vineyard to keep her away from him. And we talked about how the enemy uses sometimes people to try to come in between us and the shepherd. Sometimes it's family members. Those of your own household will be your greatest enemies, Jesus warned. Because they don't get saved with you, they're never going to understand your preference for and love for the shepherd. And a lot of times they will try to get in between you and him and get you out of this nutty fanaticism you've got involved in. So these brothers, the first time we see them, they are repressing their little sister. They were harsh with her. They did all they could to separate her from the shepherd. They made her a keeper of the vineyards. Now, the second time we see them, they ridicule her. Sounds like me and my sisters. I was tough on my sisters. I could tell you stories, but you wouldn't come back to church. And it's not that bad. I had three little sisters, and I was the firstborn and only boy. So I understand the ridiculing of the sisters, but watch this. The second time we see these brothers, they're ridiculing her. Look what they said. Take us the foxes, sis. The little foxes that spoil the grapes. What does that mean? Well, foxes are noted for being crafty and cunning. Now, while working in the vineyards where they had placed her, how could they have possibly expected this little girl, this young lady, to catch on her own the crafty foxes that were spoiling the grapes? They were making fun of her. Hey, sis, you see you're working hard in the vineyard. Why don't you catch a few of those foxes that are spoiling the grapes? Yuck, yuck, yuck. You get that? Try over here. Yuck, yuck, yuck. That would be dangerous for a man because foxes will bite you. They're rabid a lot of the time. To tell her to do it was making fun. They were sneering at their younger sister, poking fun at her, taunting her is what they were doing. They got her away from the shepherd, got her in this vineyard. Now, sis, take care of the foxes that are always in here trying to spoil the grapes. Ha, 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 ha. We got you. We win. But now the third meeting, we see a change in them. This time they respected her. In verse 8, the scene opens with the brothers talking to each other about her. Well, there's our sister. 
She's been in Solomon's pavilion, and they're having a conversation about her. First thing they do is they make an assessment. Verse 8, we have a little sister, and she has no breasts. What shall we do for our sister in the day when she is spoken for? You know what's going on here? Notice they call her little sister. But she's no longer a little sister. They're viewing her as immature. She has no breath. She's immature. She's not developed. That's how they're seeing her. They were struggling with the fact that their little sister had grown up. You know, I went to Quitman Sunday night. Quitman, 1,800 total population. And we built a church of 500 people there. It's kind of neat. But watch this. I go to Quitman, and like I told you, I see these young ladies who I dedicated as children. And it took me a while for my brain to connect. This is who I held in my arms and dedicated. And now she's all grown up. But they were struggling with, wow, she's really no longer our little sister. She has come into her own. And you know what? People view the church the same way. In many ways, we're still immature. We are that little church on the other side of the tracks. We don't count for much out there in this culture. And I might add, to their own demise. None out of the church is no big deal. Unless the church agrees with us and conforms with the way we see things, then they are backward, they are insignificant, they are inconsequential, they marginalize us and diminish us. And yet, let me tell you something, and they go on and call us all kinds of wonderful names. I hear it all the time. Narrow, right-wing extremists, homophobic, racist, all these names they call the church. And they have no reason to say it except that's the way they have always been taught the church was. But I got news for you. Just as the fiery oven of temptation and trial turned the Shulamite from a girl into a woman so will the church of the last days be brought into adulthood through trials, fiery tests, persecutions, and temptations, and it's happening right now. The church is about to grow up. We're about to see a separation of the sheep from the goats. The church is about to grow up. The real blood-bought, redeemed, spirit-filled church of the Lord Jesus Christ is about to grow up because we're about to take some heat for being a Christian. We're about to take some heat for loving the great shepherd. We're about to be persecuted and already are being and criticized for walking with God and rejecting the views of the world. But that's all right. As those attacks made her from a girl to a woman, it's going to bring the church of the Lord Jesus Christ into manhood and womanhood before Jesus comes again. It's happening right now. So this was the brother's assessment of the Shulamite. But next we see what they proposed. And their proposal is powerful. I want you to catch this. Their proposal hinges on two things. Their first proposal is summarized by the symbol of a wall. The other proposal is symbolized by a door. Now here's what they say. This is the brothers talking. Verse 9. If she be a wall, We will build upon her a palace of silver. A wall is primarily a symbol of invincibility. What they were asking is very blunt. You know, when you think about the Old Testament, they always had that great big, huge wall around the cities. It was to keep intruders out. It was to keep the city safe. 
It was a sign of safety and security. They made walls so huge. You could run several chariots of horses along the tops of those walls without them falling off. Huge, invincible walls. So that's what these brothers are thinking about. Here's what they were asking. How had she behaved herself in Solomon's palace? Was she a wall? Had she maintained her purity? Had she been a wall? And here's what they're actually proposing. If they found that she had stayed pure, they were going to honor her and crown her with silver. But then they ask the next question. And if she is a door, verse 9, if she is a door, what will they do with her? Read it with me. We will enclose her. Anybody in here like being enclosed? No. So this is negative, isn't it? If she was a door, then we're not going to honor her with silver. We're going to enclose her. Now, a door is primarily a symbol of invitation. You know, on doors we have welcome. An open door says, come on in. Has she been open to Solomon's proposals? What they want to know is, had she been easy? If so, then they proposed a prison of boards of cedar. Negative. Now, I want you to take this right. Listen to me, church. The world will lie to you all day long about immorality, about sexual sin. You know, there are churches that won't even talk about sin. To me, that's like a doctor saying, welcome, I'm Dr. Joe. Now, we don't talk about sickness here. And if I find, you know, anything bad in these x-rays, we just don't talk about it. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm out of that doctor. I want somebody who will look at me and say, you're sick. And here's what you need to get well. But we have well-known pastors who say now, and I say pastors in quotes, well, we don't even talk about sin. Well, then you're not a pastor. You're not a preacher. You're not a Bible person. Because the whole problem with this world we live in is S-I-N. And the wages of sin are death, enclosement, prison, bondage. That's the message here. The Bible's not pulling any punches here. Okay? If she was a door, then it's going to lead to some negative consequences. If she was a wall, then she's going to come into honor. And that's true in life. I don't care how the world paints it. I don't care what this immoral culture says to you. They're lying to you. If you only knew what they were experiencing behind their own closed doors as they're reaping the consequences of their own lifestyle. But the media will never tell you about that. They'll just lie to you. People Magazine, all these idiot gossip magazines, these stupid sewage. I hate going through the grocery store. I had to do some grocery shopping. I'm stuck looking at these National Enquirer and Globe and these gossip-monging sewage bottom-dwelling magazines that the world feeds on, this muck and mire and junk and garbage. Garbage in, garbage out. The fact is, this is showing us that if she maintained herself, there would be a reward. If she didn't, there'd be negative consequences. Now, 
In other words, if she had shamed herself, she'd have to pay the penalty. Never again would she be free to choose her path in life freely. The whole scene was sort of a judgment seat for their sister. So too, there will be a judgment seat of Christ for us, the church. Now, while no one there will be exiled to hell, there will be both gain and loss at the judgment seat of Christ. You do know that, right? You do know there's two different judgments. Great white throne judgment, and way back in the end of the book of Revelations, talks about every person who has ever lived will be resurrected from their grave and brought before God, and the books will be opened, and the book of life will be opened, and if your name is not in the book of life, you will be cast into hell. That's the great white throne judgment, and no Christian believer is going to be there. The judgment seat of Christ is talked about in 1 Corinthians 3. And Paul says, we won't be judged for sin because our sin has been washed away. But we will receive rewards or loss of reward for what we did in our bodies, for how we obeyed God, for how much we lived for him. There's various crowns, crown of the soul winner, many different crowns. But here's the deal. While nobody's going to be exiled to hell, there's going to be gain and loss depending on the deeds of our life. So here in this book, we have, again, another picture of what really is coming in reality. Now, next, the Shulamite answers the charge. She says, I'm a wall and my breasts like towers. Then I became in his eyes as one who found peace. She's saying, I'm no little sister. Quit talking to me that way. I'm fully mature. I am mighty. I am mature. I am marriageable. She could look her brothers in the eye and assert her purity. And her beloved was satisfied with her answer. Way to go, girl. Now, next we see her triumph as we come to the close. She says, verse 11 and 12, Solomon had a vineyard at Baal Haman. He leased the vineyard to keepers. Everyone was to bring for its fruit a thousand silver coins. My own vineyard is before me. You, O Solomon, may have a thousand and those who tend its fruit, 200. Let me help this make sense to you. We could loosely paraphrase this. Solomon, you are welcome to your silver. Welcome to your fruit, you keepers. She says, I don't care about your silver. I don't care about your vineyard. She's saying to her enemy, keep it. There's nothing you've got that I want. And that's the way we talk to the enemy. You take a good hard look at all of his prosperity and power, all that the enemy seems to be giving people in our day, look well at all that he has to offer and say with me, everybody, real good and loud, keep it. Let's try it one more time. Keep it. Doesn't that feel good? We got to do it once more for three. Keep it. Because there's nothing you've got, devil, that I want or need. What Satan has to offer is never sufficient. It always falls short of expectations. God has engineered the human soul for himself. And nothing else will do, I'm telling you, nothing. Because she never lost sight of the shepherd. Here was her key. Because she never lost sight of the shepherd in her innermost heart. She had been able to keep the world in proper focus. Church, hear me. If you could talk to my staff, they will tell you I'm a broken record in staff meeting because I ended often with saying, 
never drift from your devotional time. Keep your devotional time alive every day. Every day, get with the shepherd. Open up that Bible and let it talk to you. Give him your troubles and your cares. Don't turn on the TV before you open the Word. Get into a prayer closet or go outside or wherever your place is you get with God and spend time with Him every day. That way, you look at the world accurately. She won over Solomon, the richest, most appealing worldly man of his day because she kept her relationship with the shepherd intact. Note the shepherd's last request. He says in verse 13, You who dwell in the gardens, the companions, listen for your voice. Let me hear it. Notice the story appropriately ends in a garden. Paradise has been regained. The shepherd used a word for dwell right there. You who dwell in the garden, he's talking to her. The word that he used for dwell literally means to abide permanently. Never again would the Shulamite be in peril from the world or its prince. The shepherd only wanted to hear her voice. Others have heard your voice. Now let me hear it. Then comes the Shulamite's last reply. And here's the end of the book. Make haste, my beloved, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. No longer is she talking about the mountains of separation like she did earlier in the book. These were the mountains of spices. She's saying, I want you. Let nothing come between us now and forevermore. Our shepherd wants us to say the same thing. So let's say it together. Lord Jesus, come. Come in all your glory and boundless life. Thank you, Lord. The love song ends where the book of Revelation ends. Even so, come Lord Jesus. Well, no wonder the Song of Solomon was included in the final canon of Scripture. What a beautiful and riveting picture has been presented of the shepherd, a type of Jesus, the Shulamite, a type of the church, and Solomon, a type of the tempter. I don't know about you, but I've been inspired by the resolve of the Shulamite to be true to the shepherd in the face of a mountain of obstacles and spiritual attacks. Be sure to join me again next time as we begin a brand new series entitled Anchored Steadfast in the Storms. Until then, I pray God's richest blessings be yours. Now you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. 
So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111. Or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again. Or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now. Or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. An Hour of Triumph is the final message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping. By logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast.